Ah, shit. You listen to the James McMahon Music Podcast. I'm your host, James McMahon, and this is a Spook Media Production. rock legend on this episode, Zach Wilde, the man behind the six string for Ozzy fucking Osbourne, as well as his own band, Black Label Society, which he also fronts. That band have a new recording coming, their 11th, on November 26th. It's called Doom Crew Inc, and it's a bit of a gem, actually. I'd probably like it more having spoken to Zach. Not in a, you're a nice guy, now I have to like your music, or it'll be awkward way, although that too, to an extent. But in a, I really think I understand where your music comes from and resides way. I love talking to musicians, I really do. But hey, we're 28 episodes into this podcast now, so you probably guessed that. A bit of a heads up, there are places during my chat with Zach where the audio goes a bit skewy. Yeah, you heard me, skewy. I think it adds to the World War New Jersey vibes. I hope you can overcome it. While I'm here, a bit of housekeeping too. My friend Dave Harper, who passed away in August. There's a tribute concert being held in his memory at the Castle What He Built Pop Rex in Sunderland on Friday the 3rd of December. Episode 9 of this podcast is all about him. There's loads of James McMahon music podcast approved acts playing. The Future Eds, Phil Music, Martha, my old, old friend Lucas Rennie. I'm sure it'll sell out soon, so don't hang about waiting for a ticket. I'll stick a link to buy tickets in the show notes. I hope it's a night worthy of the old rascal. And, as is now traditional, here I am to ask politely if you'd consider rating, reviewing and subscribing to this podcast. We shot right up the UK music podcast charts the other week, so thanks for all the downloads and support as ever. But those ratings and reviews really help. To get this podcast noticed, to keep growing, to help secure people to come on the show and talk to me. Like Zach, in fact. Nice segue, Jam. No worries. Master Shredder. Where are you in the world right now? Uh, we are in Montclair, New Jersey chapter. So, uh, yeah, we just got done doing uh, Hartford, Connecticut last night, which was awesome. Yeah, I guess this is the second of three in a row. Oh, nice, man. You, you put, you're out with obituary, right? Oh, uh, yeah, we have obituary and prong with us. Oh, man, that's a good bill. I haven't been to, I'm trying to think when I was last in New Jersey. I was in New Jersey years ago to do a piece on Disturbed. I think it was Dimebag's birthday. It was like an anniversary. It can't have been that late. A couple of years after he passed, and um, I think there was—I think there was like a one-man dime bag tribute that were opening for Disturbed. Oh wow! Pretty wild, man. Pretty wild. So this is your kind of a this is your first um, record in a, a while. Do you want to tell me a little bit about what led to it? Well, I think you know. I mean, I mean, pretty much since I guess order since uh, like 2010. It's been like every two, three years since we do a record now but then again you know you're torn in between that whole time so i mean when we first started with black label i mean it was like a album a year sometimes like two albums in a year so uh 
yeah, I, I mean, I, you know, I always love being in the studio anyway. I mean, it's just a breeding ground for, to be inspired. You know what I mean? So like, uh, so I, you know, it's like Salvador Dali going in with an open canvas and a whole, you know, a, a brand new box of crayons. So yeah. it's just, uh, to me, it's always inspiring being in the studio because everything sounds great and it's just a breeding ground for creativity. But, uh, but no, I mean, you know, as of late though, I mean, it's just like we do an album and then, uh, it seems like every now it's like every three years we're doing another record. I mean, but, but in between that whole time, we're always, we're always working. So it's not like, uh, it's not like I'm just, you know, we do the record. I go out for, we, we pour for eight weeks and then go home and then we're, I'm just sitting home for two years. So it, it, it's nothing like that. But, uh, and the same thing, even with the songs, it's not like I'm stockpiling songs for three years until I, until we use what I, you know, what we think is okay. But I mean, usually it's just like, uh, when when this album came about with the Doom Crew record, it's just like business as usual. My wife was just like, well, you know, uh, we're going to have you guys going to work on another record. But I was like, well, how how much longer do I have till the fellas come out here to the Vatican? So she's like, you have about a month. I said, all right, well, I got a month to write a record. Do you find it helpful to almost like work to a deadline? Well, I think with everybody in life, you know, with, with anything, regardless whether whatever it is, when there, if you have a deadline, then that means, you know, it has to get done. I mean, I'm just saying like when me and you, if we're getting ready for sports, you know, we're getting ready for the season, me and, you know, it, regardless whether we won the championship or we win, we had a terrible year or we were that close, you know, I mean, it's just like, you, we look forward to like, you know, we know, we know me and you have five months till training camp. So, you know, probably the, the, the first month off, we'll just give our bodies a rest you know, stay, you know, eat some food that we usually don't eat uh, on a daily basis. And then like, we know we have four months to start getting ready. Or, or you know, like if I told you you needed to be ripped for a movie or something like that, and I'm like, you got five months to be, you know, completely chiseled and ripped. You're like, all right, cool. Zach. You know, me and you will go out for a cheat meal today or we'll go out, get some pizzas or whatever. And then, you know, you start your diet tomorrow. So, I mean, you know, you have six weeks, you have six, you have five, six months to get ready to train for this movie or whatever. So, you know, I mean, I think deadlines are great for everything, you know, in life. So, you know, cause it, it, you're getting prepared for something. So, uh, cause otherwise you're on a permanent vacation, you know what I mean? It's just, there's no reason to get ready, no reason to practice, no reason to, cause there's no end goal. So, for deadlines go but i mean you know yeah for me i mean i, I just uh, i'll just sit i know i have a month so you know me and you just start you know start working on the record you know I'll, I'll just sit and start writing riffs and i start you know i sit in my in my gym you know my garage and i'll just sit now i have an amp in there and i just sit have a cup of coffee in the morning and then i just start writing you know what i mean or you know just jamming and, and for me with this genre of music it always starts with the riff so it's like Mount Riffmore. You got, you know, you have Cream, Mountain, Zeppelin, Sabbath, and Deep Purple. So, I mean, it's it just, you know, I mean, those guys, you know, whether it's Smoke on the Water, Into the Void, Whole Lot of Love, Mississippi Queen, or Sunshine of Your Love. I'm just saying it always starts with the riff. So, and then, you know, and then the song, it'll take you on a ride from there. And that pretty much inspires everything else, whether it's the melody. And then, you know, when you think of what you want to sing it about, then then a topic you want to sing about, then you start writing lyrics around that. 
Yeah, I mean, I've read before a little bit about your process and you know how it starts with a riff, and it's it's unsurprising, you know, given what you do. But do you ever kind of uh, when you are sat there in your garage with your amp and you are, do you ever have an idea about what you want to write about? Um, no, I mean, as far as like lyrical content, I mean, I, I'll sit in the truck and then I'll if I have an idea what I want to write about or something that inspires me then I'll, that's when the lyrics were always last. I mean, I'll always have, I don't have a melody and, but then, uh, the lyrics are always last. I'll sit in a truck with a, you know, with the way we'll do it is I'll, you know, I just always call it like my homework CD. You know, I'll have Adam burn me a CD, like when I'm going to work on solos and I'll, I'll compose a solo, you know, like the Randy Rhodes school of, of solo writing you know so it has a beginning a middle and you know so it tells us so it's a song within the song yeah so i mean you know like kind of like stairway to heaven or hotel california i mean they're, they're songs within a song if you're in a cover band you have to play those solos so like when i'm playing with ozzy i have to play randy solos i have to play jake solos it, you know they're they're part of the song so and tony same thing with tony so uh I and I enjoy the whole process. So, you know, because you start, me and you start building the house, you know, we have an idea, we draw it on paper, then then you see it start coming to life. You know, we build the foundation, then we then we, you know, all the way down to putting the furniture in. So uh I I just I love the whole process. Uh, I love the whole thing. You know what's wild, man? I was I was doing a bit of reading just before we before we spoke. It absolutely amazed me that you were only fifty-four. Like in my head, like I mean this in a complimentary way, but in my head you're like, you're like mid sixties, and I don't know whether that's because you've been around so long or whether it's because a lot of the people for whom you are most closely associated are older than you. Like, do you feel fifty four or like I don't know? That just feels very young for someone who is such a fixture of this hard rock scene. No, I, I think um, I mean. Physically and mentally, you know, like I still love the same things. I, you know, when I hear Zeppelin, I hear Sabbath and the Eagles and Allman Brothers and everything that I love like that. I still have that 14 year old, you know, magic about it when I hear it, you know? So, I mean, that's, that's still there, but I mean, um, I think with every, all of us, you know, where you look back and you go, God, that'll never happen again. I'm saying we're, we're mistakes that you've made because you didn't know. You know what I mean? Because you were like, oh, well, I just, I either either trusted somebody or or something that happened to you. I think that's part of life, and that's how that that's how it is with everybody. You know, like the whole saying, you know, if I knew now what I, you know, didn't know then, you know, type of thing. You know, so I think we all go through that. That's just a learning process, and you and you learn from it. And you go, well, that, you know, like me and you doing things nowadays. You go, Zach, remember when that happened to this i go yeah what a nightmare that was and you go obviously it would never happen nowadays because we, we would never put ourselves in that situation but i mean uh but no i mean as far as um yeah i i don't know i mean as far as that like you said i i, I still get just as buzzed when i get up on stage and the house lights go down as when i the first show i did with ozzy when we played in the arena so like when i was 20 years old so i i still get that same buzz i mean it, that excitement is still there so um i'm sure it's got to be that way for like mick jagger you know i mean like when he gets up on stage regardless when he looks back at the beginnings of the stone shows when they were playing pubs or whatever with with 10 people in there like just that you know the electricity and the energy right before you start playing you know, like going down on a roller coaster, you know, like when we get up 18 stories and you're, the roller coaster is about to go down, like that, just that, that buzz that you get, 
you know, yeah. so, I'm, so it's still there for him, and he's been doing it forever, you know, same thing with Ozzy. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I've heard people of a certain generation before, um, you know, we, we are, well, I mean, we're in it now, but, you know, a whole load of, like, these founding fathers of, of what we know is rock music, like, they are... Uh, approaching an age and i've heard a lot of people talk about um like how they sometimes they sort of like look at their bodies and they're like how did this happen because in their heads they're still they are still 14 15 um yeah well, i'm sure like you know same thing with ozzy when he tells me these stories you know like the early early days of sabbath and everything like that you know being such a huge fan i, I just love hearing it all so you know but it's just like uh it is pretty amazing. You know, I mean, even all the stuff that they achieved because they were so young at the time when it, you know, in their early twenties when, when they were like, like creating this entire industry, you know, yeah. so it was pretty yeah. amazing. Yeah, no, totally. Do you, I mean, do you ever, do you ever, I don't, I don't expect you to answer this because I don't need to sound like it's been disrespectful. Is there ever a time where he will tell you the same story twice? Or maybe eight times, <laughs> <laughs> but every time, Every time he tells it, he tells it with just as much enthusiasm as he told you, you know, he told you the story last time. But yeah, I, but I always love hearing him. So, I mean, it's always awesome. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, you, um, I was reading that you play all over the new record. Uh, yeah. I mean, I did all the guitars. So, I mean, you know, on except for the, the stuff where, uh, and piano, I, I play that on the record. I do keys and then strings or whatever on, on a batch of the songs. And then obviously, Eric Clapton's on it, Jeff Beck's on it, Tony Iommi's on it. So, I mean, that was definitely an honor to be playing rhythm guitar for him on those tracks. So, uh, yeah, I mean, if you would have told me at 14 years old that I, someday I'd be playing rhythm guitar for Jeff Beck, Eric Clapton, Tony Iommi, I would have said, yeah, okay. You know what I mean? So, it's it just pretty, pretty mind-blowing. You were saying before about, you know, being 20 and, like, were you built for that? Or did you, what, what was that like? Did you feel like you were up to it? I mean, you know, it, the the whole thing is, um, of course, I mean, it's just, uh, it's pretty mind-blowing that I'm going to be part of the sound and everything like that. You know, for me, it was almost kind of like if I'm a fan of Manchester United and all the players that played there, Georgie Best and, and everybody like that. And then all of a sudden, now I had posters of these guys on my walls and now I'm playing for the team and I'm wearing a uniform and I'm in the stadium that I've I've seen all these guys playing. So, I mean, and now I'm part of the franchise and now my job is to win championships for the team. So, I mean, uh, I mean, that's the way I look at it, but the whole thing is that's why, that's why you practice and you put time in and you put the hours in. So I, I felt like I was, I didn't feel like I, I wasn't prepared. That's, that's why you train, you know what I mean? So, you, you know, so you're ready for that when you're ready, you know? So, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's so so young though. I mean, I I've been doing what I do for such a long time, and there are times where I still think like I'm cheating. You know, like um, they talk quite a lot about like imposter syndrome. That's a phrase which is in which it was in is in currency in the in the lexicon these days. And I don't know, like it's just such a young age to step on stage with your heroes, and especially in a role which was previously occupied by like a, a great. Um, you know, Randy Rhodes. Uh, I, I just, I wondered if you'd kind of, if you had to almost fake that confidence or if you just had it. Oh, I, I think, you know, because Randy's obviously one of my heroes, 
always will be because I mean when when I was that's when I first started playing. I mean it, it was just so magical, you know. Because I mean for Ozzy, he always just said, "Man, Zach, the Beatles when they were around, it was such a magical time. Like everything was amazing. Just like the air was cleaner and the the water tasted better. I like just everything was better when the Beatles were around. And like I said, that's so funny because I said for me it was Sabbath and those first two records you did with Randy it was the same. It was the equivalent for me. And so you know, like I said, so it's just me. You know, it, it, like if I was just constantly playing, you know, peewee soccer and doing everything like that and just constantly playing soccer all the time because, you know, someday I want to be play pro soccer. And then now I'm finally playing with Manchester United, you know, so it's, it's you know, I didn't get drafted by any other team. Like the, I actually got drafted by the team I want to play for, so uh, which is pretty mind blowing. You keep name dropping Man United. Are you a football fan? Um, yeah, well, I, I know, you know, about all those guys, you know, because we always talk about, you know, the best soccer players would have payway and this and that. And I remember, you know, because like, Georgie Best would always come up in that conversation, all the comedy with him and his drinking and everything like that. And the women and the whole nine yards. I mean, that's pretty hilarious. But uh, David Beckham, I mean, all those guys that played for Manchester, you know, so it's like, you know, with all the Hall of Famers that ended up playing there. At some point later, when you're off this call, you need to uh, go on YouTube and uh, Google the name James Coppinger. He was my favourite ever player who plays for my team, Doncaster Rovers. They were a very small team, and he doesn't play anymore. But but what he was just amazing as well. No, oh, he was just, he was amazing. But I, it just made me feel good knowing that Zach Wilde was watching a video of Doncaster Rovers at some point today. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so um, I have to ask on Ozzy as well. Like, it's been such a weird like couple of years um, with you know, with everything that happened in the world, and also that Ozzy tour was quite kind of stop start. It was on, it was off. Is he is he doing okay? Uh, yeah, right now. I mean, Oz had you know he had surgery again, and I spoke with him after that. So you know he's just you know just rehabbing and doing all his you know therapy and everything that he's got to and you know doing all his training and eating clean just so that we can get him back on the uh, the lifting platform. So his his deadlift, his bench, and his squat are back up to Aussie world class numbers again. So. Yeah, I mean, it's just a matter of that right now because the tour was going great. I mean, like right up until before we heard himself, the last gig we did was New Year's Eve at the Forum. Yeah. And I remember Oz was like, man, it was, you know, because we had such a great time. It was like a mini Oz Fest at the Forum because we did Zach Sabbath out parking lot during the day, me and Blasco. And then we played with the boss, obviously headlining the festival at the end of the night inside at the Forum. So it was kind of like Oz was like, yeah, maybe we should do this every year. You know, so that was that was pretty much where we were at. And then he got hurt after that. And, you know, because we were getting ready to go back. It was fun. it was up to him. I mean, the tour was going great. He was singing his ass off every night. Band sounded great. And everybody was having a great time. So it just, uh, you know, I, the only thing I just tell him is just, oh, just keep doing, keep doing your training and keep doing your therapy and everything like that. To make sure that, you know, when you're good to go, you, you'll know you're ready. So, and then we just start, we'll fire the machine up again. That's all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you remember the last day that you didn't play guitar? Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's just, uh, I'm trying to think. I mean, like, I haven't, I never go that long without, you know, playing. I mean, I, I remember asking Al Demiola one time, and he was just like, I've gone, like, six weeks or, you know, without even touch, you know, after a massive tour, you know, after a tour, like I was saying, like, I'll take, like, a, I'll give myself a vacation and just get away from the guitar altogether. Not only that, just to recharge the batteries and re-inspire myself, you know what I mean? So, and just to do things that I usually don't do because I'm always playing, 
you know, whether I'm recording, writing, touring and, you know, so this way I can spend time with my family and then we'll go on vacation, do, do things that I don't do. So I was like, oh, wow. Cause I, I've never gone six weeks without playing. During that time though, are you pleased to have a break or are you yearning to? Yeah. I mean, like on the, during this COVID thing, I mean, it was, it was, you know, people are like, oh, what'd you do? What I was like, nothing. I had more time to train and i had more time to hang out with my family and sleep in my own bed and have coffee in the morning with my wife and you know like things that i i enjoy when i'm not playing but i mean it was just almost kind of like instead of a three-day you know weekend it was kind of like a two-year weekend so i mean it was kind of weird i mean when we played at the rave in milwaukee uh it was 22 months in between that was where our where the tour ended where the world shut down and that was the last show we did. And then when we just on this tour, we played there again. And it was it was almost two years exactly that before uh, when and we were playing there again. And I was like, we were on stage. I go, it felt like we were all home for about a month and a half. You know what I mean? It didn't yeah. feel like it didn't feel like two years at all. It's like time itself got reinvented during the pandemic. Yeah, I agree. Listen, Zach, thanks for a lovely chat. Um, enjoy the rest of the tour and um, hopefully see you when you get to the UK at some point. You got it, my brother. Great talking to you, man. Well, that's episode 28. Thanks to Zach for the chat. Thanks to Layla O'Donnell for putting this together. The theme tunes, Bella Band, Jobbers. And I'll see you soon. Thank <laughs> you.